Greetings and salutations, EOB Mafia. Welcome back to another five-star installment of Evolution of Brand, powered by Absolute Evolution Branding. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 131, I'm sharing the mic with author and branding extraordinaire Pamela Wilson for an in-depth conversation about personal branding, business branding, and the role each of them play in your efforts. As we dive into the evolution of Pamela's brand today, we'll be discussing pros and cons of putting all of your emphasis on business branding while ignoring personal branding, and vice versa, how to strike a balance between business and personal branding so it benefits your results, some examples of powerful brands that have truly captivated their audience, both business and personal, and why gaining trust and establishing authority in your space will make or break the evolution of your brand. All of this and so much more lies ahead on episode 131 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You know, we talk a lot about thought leadership and authority status here on Evolution of Brand, and the reason for that is the guests that I've had the privilege of connecting with focus on this each and every day. And I guarantee you, if you ask any of them if that focus has made a difference in everything they do, the answer you'd receive would be an emphatic hell yes across the board. Do you want to establish authority and become a thought leader in your niche? Then it's time for us to connect. I want to teach you the best approach I know for attracting new clients, increasing your profits, expanding your network, achieving game-changing authority status, and becoming a thought leader in your space. It's time for your brand to go from unknown to undeniable. Visit jasoncircone.com slash work with me to learn more. Pamela Wilson, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. I don't know if you've read Jason Stephen Pressfield's newest book. It's called Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be, which is a great title. He's the author of, yeah, he's the author of The War of Art. I'm sure you're familiar with that. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that he talks about is that when you want something, you have to literally like put your ass in the place where that thing is happening. And I realized when I read the book that I have done that all throughout my life. So I graduated college from, I was in Baltimore, Maryland, which I didn't particularly love as a location. And I really wanted to be like in South Florida so that I could use some of the skills I had built. And so I just, I moved myself to Miami. I found a starter job and moved myself to Miami. And same thing years later, Uh, Much later in my career, I was living in Pennsylvania. I had started an online business. Every time I talked to somebody in my little town in Pennsylvania about my online business, I would just watch their eyes glaze over because they had no idea what I was talking about. So I moved myself to Nashville, Tennessee, where there were a lot of people doing really amazing things in the online business world. So That, I think, is a time where I just sort of listened to myself and I let those desires to to follow my heart toward where I really wanted to be. And and I put myself in those places so that good things could happen. And clearly that has unfolded as you've done a lot in the branding space that we're going to dig into today. And I'm really glad that you're able to take some time to join me because I know we're going to have a phenomenal conversation 
as we dig into one of my favorite subjects, personal branding versus business branding. There is so much to cover that I'm always happy to get to continue the conversation and add some new perspectives and to bring some new outlooks. So very excited to hear what you have to say on the subject panel, and we're going to dive into all of that as we roll today. But before we do jump into that pool, take a moment to tell us who you are, what you do, and how your evolution has unfolded over the years. I know you just gave us a brief sample, but dive in and tell us all about who is Pamela Wilson. I am celebrating 30 years in business for myself this year. So that's probably the most important thing to know is that I've been in this space for a long time and I love it. I mean, one of the reasons I've been in this space so long is that I love marketing, branding, helping people and entities communicate their messages. I love it. And I'm so grateful that I picked something at an early age that I ended up really loving and have continued to do my whole career. I started out as an agency, a marketing and design agency. I was doing a lot of print design and then brought my business online in 2010 and have really you know, kind of achieved a mastery of digital marketing and all, all the digital marketing things, you know, everything involved in digital marketing. And I have been both a business brand and a personal brand. So I made a different decision at different points in my career, which is one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about this, because it is something that is, it's a consequential decision for your business. But it's also something that you can change your mind about down the road. So I would love to talk about that as well, because I think people get really hung up on that topic about, you know, they want to make sure they get it right. But the reality is that you can make one decision and then change it if you need to. But that's what I've been doing my entire career is helping businesses and entities communicate their messages and attract the right customers for them. When it comes to personal versus business in the branding space, is it even possible to say that one way is right and one way is wrong? Because I feel like they have importance and we're going to determine today, maybe we won't even get fully into this, whether you can say they have equal importance, but they both play a pretty critical role. So is there even a point in saying that one is right and one is wrong? You know, I think it's a matter of what is right in the moment for the business goals, for the personal goals of the person who's developing that brand, maybe for the place that the company is also. I, I think there can be a right or wrong answer to that, depending on what you're looking for. There's one question that I always ask that seems to be the clarifying question, and we can go over that. But I think once you know your answer to that question, it becomes much, much clearer. Yeah, let's dive into that. Let's talk a little bit more about that. And really, let, let's talk about this whole concept of branding and why it plays such a pivotal role in a professional's overall growth and evolution, regardless of whether the emphasis is on personal branding, on business branding, or a healthy mix of both. Yes, exactly. The thing that I always ask people when they're trying to figure out, especially if somebody is kind of in the early days of a new business or a new line of business, I always ask them, do you aspire to be able to sell this business down the road? 
And if you do want to sell it down the road, it probably makes sense to develop it as a separate brand, a business name that expresses in an aspirational way what your business does, because then it becomes something that you can create brand equity around, and that brand equity will have a value down the road so that when you go to try to sell the business, you have a brand that has recognition, it's got a history in place, and that's worth money when you go to sell your business. On the other hand, if you have a personal brand, one that revolves around your personal name, and you want to try to sell your business down the road, it's a little bit tougher, especially if your plan is to sell it and then step away from it. It's just tougher to sell a business that's got somebody's name and that person who carries that name is no longer involved in the business. It's just a tougher sell. So that's usually the clarifying question that I ask people. And they usually know pretty much right away, like, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm never going to want to sell this. It's all about the work that I do. And so I want people to know me and, and my work. And in that case, it's like, all right, well, it's clear that you need a, a personal brand. Or people will say, oh, yeah, I would love to build up something that I could then sell. OK, well, then we need to create a business brand for you. Does that make sense? It does. And I wanted to ask Pamela and all of the connections you've made and all the people that you've helped, are you finding more entrepreneurs are starting to think in that long-term mode of building something they can sell? Or is it one of those things? Like I know I can speak from personal experiences when you're first starting to build something, that's probably the most distant thought in your memory is selling because at that point in time, it's still not even really a thing yet. Yeah. So right now it's all about the energy of building it and, and making it into something that can become truly special and change the world, which is ultimately our goal in some way, shape or form at the very beginning. Yes. Mm -hmm. So is this mindset starting to shift in entrepreneurs and them starting to say right from the start, yes, this is my exit strategy. I want to have this front of mind. And do you feel that's the better way to proceed? It, I'm laughing a little bit because if they talk to me, they do think about that. <laughs> um, when I when somebody talks to me about branding, I always insert that question because like I said, it's like the clarifying question. And even if someone hasn't thought about it, it usually gives them pause and they stop long enough to think, well, you know, I might want to sell this someday. It seems far-fetched at this point. It's hard to imagine, but I could see a day sometime in the future where I might want to sell this. And in that case, it's like, okay, well, now we know what we need to do, right? I do think that people in the very beginning, you know, their focus and their energy with good reason is on making a viable business, one that generates revenue and that is going to survive, especially just through that first year where, you know, so many businesses fail in the first year. So it's understandable if people aren't thinking about this at the very beginning. And it's fine to sort of just focus on getting the business off the ground and don't even worry that much about the brand at the beginning. It's more about reaching your customers, maybe proving that your offer actually works, that you have something that's viable, that it is revenue positive and all of that. Once you get beyond that survival mode, though, then you can start thinking about the long term. It's like, okay, well, this is clearly working. Let's think about the future, right? And that's where you start to ask yourself those 
branding questions. It's like, what kind of brand would actually serve the future of the business that I'm building now that I know it's going to survive? With that thought process in mind, do you think that there's a way for, and I, I don't want this to sound wrong because if you try to fast forward things, you can miss a lot. One of the big things that helps you build your brand in a positive way is enjoying the experience and enjoying the process because that's going to keep you invested and help you learn and, and grow as you proceed through the evolution of your brand to right. coin a phrase. But do you feel that having that mindset of the end in mind is going to help you get to that goal faster and get you through survival mode as you defined it, Pamela, and put you in a better place to make it more realistic that you could exit, or even if you don't have a plan of exiting, could still experience success at a much faster pace. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do think that it's smart to have those things in mind from the very beginning because they can serve almost as a lighthouse that you point yourself toward. I look at companies who are in the online space, like, you know, just to think of two that come to mind very quickly. Tony Robbins is in the online space. Grant Cardone is somebody else who's big in the online space. And those are businesses that are built around people's names. And obviously both of those guys have huge teams and they have huge organizations at this point. But if you are someone who is within the orbit of a Grant Cardone, guess who the ultimate person is that you would like to have contact with is Grant Cardone, right? Because he is, you know, kind of the, the thought leader behind the work that that organization does. And so that's a very different kind of business. It's almost like a pyramid and the person who has the personal name is sitting at the very tip top of that pyramid. And yes, there may be lots of layers below that person, but they're kind of the ultimate desired outcome or the ultimate desired point that the audience is trying to reach. Where if you brand, if you create an aspirational brand name, then that aspirational brand name states what the person is ultimately trying to achieve. Does that make sense? And so somebody like Grant Cardone may feel like he's got a lot of people clamoring for his attention, where if he had named his business something, and he may actually have a business name, so I don't know him that well. He may actually have a business name that he is doing business under, but he's very much a personal brand. He's kind of the face of his brand. So I think when you have a, an entity name, then people are aspiring to get close to that entity and the responsibility for delivering success can be spread among a team of people. So it's just, it's like very different ways of structuring a business. And that's one of the things to me that's most exciting about branding, that it brings up these questions. People I always laugh when people think branding is about your logo. And it's like, that's, that's such a teeny tiny part of the whole thing. It's really about how you structure your business, how you think about your business and what you aspire your business to grow into down the line. To me, I've, I've always defined it as it, it's what puts butts in the seats. And you, you, you had mentioned that early in a, earlier in a similar fashion. But your brand is really what's going to attract people to you. And whether you're building it from the business side, whether you're doing it from a personal side, whether I think you, you mentioning Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, I think Gary Vaynerchuk is another name that comes to mind. 
they all have their entities beneath them, but they're the face that this is who you think of. Another big one is Sarah Blakely. She yes. has made it huge, but her brand is Spanx. When you think about these companies, almost immediately, you think of that person. It's almost yes. impossible to not think of that person when you're thinking, like if I think of Spanx, which is very rare, but for conversation's sake, as I think of sure. it now, of course, I'm thinking of Sarah Blakely immediately. Right. That's the power of branding. And again, that's what puts the butts in the seat. Yes, or so the butts in the Spanx, whatever. Yeah, you, however, however you, however you want to think about it. <laughs> Yeah, that probably wouldn't work totally. so much for me, but maybe for some <laughs> other folks in the Ulysses. No, but I, I see what you're saying. No, totally, totally. And that's, you know, I think in the case of somebody like a Sarah, she developed that brand and then really stood out in front and started to represent that brand and tell the brand story. And that's where, at least from the outside, it looked to me like that's where her personal brand developed. She developed the business brand and then she became a personal brand in and of herself that in in many ways she's bigger than her her business brand at at this point i think it seems to me and maybe i'm speaking slightly out of turn that once you've proven that you have a product that can impact society that can help people change that can help them reach the transformation they seek building that personal brand as an extension i'm not going to say it's easier but that transition is, I guess, to some degree, it is a little easier because we are suckers for stories. And if yes. we become loyal to a brand, well, we want to know how this brand became everything that we wanted. Who was behind this? What did they do? And then all of a sudden that person emerges and we fall in love with that person because not only have they brought us something that's changed our lives and made it better, but they're also easy to listen to, easy to talk to, easy to communicate with. It just endears us more to the overall brand because this person has done a great job making their personal brand shine as well. Totally. You know, I think about it a lot, actually, like when you become an author, I've written a couple of books and you get introduced as Pamela Wilson, the author of XYZ, and they name your books, right? And when you have a personal brand that's associated with a much loved brand that people know, then you become, you know, Pamela Wilson, founder of XYZ brand, right? And that that gets you in the door in people's minds. And like you said, they want to know, this is why about pages are typically some of the most visited pages on people's websites, because everyone wants to know the story behind the brand. They want to know who who are the people that built this thing that I'm visiting online, right? So the about page is usually super popular for that reason. Well, let's take some time to talk about both the personal brand and talk about the business brand. And I want to talk about the pros and cons of putting emphasis on both. And we'll see how this shakes out at the end. And like I said, to me, I feel like there's equal importance or close to equal importance for both, but I want to hear your insights on this, Pamela. So let's talk about business branding first. What are some of the pros and what are some of the cons of putting heavy emphasis on building your business brand first? Well, first and foremost is what we mentioned earlier, that if your long-term plan is to eventually sell the business, 
or sell the IP associated with the business, then having a separate entity that is not related to a personal name is just, it's smarter because people can get to know the brand, the brand builds its own equity, it has its own value, and that value becomes something that you can sell down the line. So starting with that, I think that's the first thing. If you can, so there's a thing, in, in, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, you know this, but anytime you establish a brand, you have to associate whatever that brand name is with what that brand name does. And that's where marketing obviously comes into play. It's like you have this brand, it has this name, and it does this thing. And marketing is what makes that link between the brand name and the thing that it does. So if you have a personal brand that is someone's name, you have to associate that personal name, which has no meaning in and of itself, with the thing that that person does. So Gary V, he's the social media hustle guy, right? And But he had to make that connection himself. With a business name, a business brand, you can come up with a name that just says what you do in a very aspirational way that people hear it and they say, oh, I want that. <laughs> that thing that that brand is, I want that. I want that thing. And so it's almost like a shortcut between what your business does and the meaning of what your business does in people's minds. And that that has a lot of advantages. It's funny that you say it that way, because I'm thinking, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, what is a brand that has a name that makes me instantly want to grab hold of it and not let go? And for whatever reason, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with something off the top of my head, but it does lead me to think about Coca-Cola, maybe one of the most recognized brands in the world. What the hell did anybody know about Cola? back when they yeah. first came out to say, to, to speak to your point, oh my yeah. God, yeah, I, I've got to have cola right now. Or well, in original, Co from... original Coca-Cola had coca leaves in it. So it yeah, was well, true. describing what it had in it, right? So, you know, even if you think of Pepsi, it has that word pep in it. So it gave people this, you know, because those original soft drinks, they had caffeine, but nobody talked about that. They just talked about the fact that it was refreshing and you would feel more energetic after you drank them. Well, it was because of the caffeine, but that's, you know, Pepsi, it's called Pepsi. My husband is a huge car guy. He loves to take apart classic cars, put them back together again, make them better. And he buys a lot of his parts from a company called Summit Racing. Not an earth-shaking brand, right? But Summit Racing is so well-loved among people who do that kind of work as a serious hobby because, well, first of all, it's got that word racing in there. And anyone who's fixing up or optimizing a car, you know, in the back of their minds, they think they're making it a great racing vehicle, right? And Summit, it's like the peak. The, the ultimate highest point is the Summit. And so Summit Racing is a great brand name. And it it's, you know, Summit Racing Auto Parts, and you know exactly what they do. And it's a name that's kind of aspirational. So that's what I'm talking about, that you come up with a name that people recognize it. 
I think those are the best brands. So there are also brands like Kleenex. They had to spend money to help to make that association between that made up name and, you know, paper products that you can blow your nose into, right? They had to spend money to do that. But when you are building a business brand, you have an opportunity to come up with a name that's aspirational, that says what you do immediately, and you have to spend less time and money marketing it and establishing that name because your name just says it. When you become a verb, you've made it. Right. When you don't, yes. when you hear Kleenex, you, you ask for a tissue, you ask for a Kleenex, Google, Google. something. Yes, Google. Exactly. Yes. Google's another one. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Google, and this is what I always tell my clients because I help a lot of smaller businesses. The businesses I help are typically between 10 and a hundred million dollars. And, I, you know, and that's not nothing, but it's like, you know, y'all don't have Coca-Cola's budget. Y'all don't have Google's <laughs> budget. Like we need to be realistic and come up with a brand name that does some of the heavy lifting for us so that we don't have to establish what it is and what we do. So let's flip the coin over and talk about emphasizing personal brand first. Now, obviously, there probably are some pros and cons that have already been discussed, and they're built in to the pros and cons of emphasizing and building your business brand first. But how do we put the focus on personal brand and maybe have it run parallel with everything we're doing to build our business brand. So right from the start, people see our face and they associate that with the brand we're building. Yes, absolutely. So it's interesting that you put it that way because I, I have always thought about it differently because I've had an online business for the last 12 years. And one of the things when you have an online business is you have to figure out your domain name. And so that branding decision comes very early. It's like, Am I going to have a brand that I establish or am I going to put it under my own name if you can even get your name online, right? So I haven't often thought about it as something that would run concurrently. I've thought about it as you have a brand that's a business name and maybe you are the face of that brand, but it's not necessarily something you do concurrently, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a brand when I first came online, it was called Big Brand System. That was my original online business. And I only rebranded last year. So 2010 to 2021, I was bigbrandsystem.com. And the whole point of that original business was to help people who were starting out in their businesses to establish a brand that they could get behind. And so that work of helping people figure out, do you want a personal brand? Do you want a business brand? That was the kind of stuff that I was helping people with from the very beginning. But then I kind of expanded and I started doing other things and realized that I, and, and I had been the face of my business for so long that I realized I, at that point I needed to create a personal brand. So I switched, I rebranded big brand system. I wiped it off the map. And if you Google it now, it redirects to PamelaWilson.com. So I, came at that from a slightly different angle than what you're saying. And I think the idea of having a brand with somebody who's the face of a brand is very doable. And that's really what I was because I had become an author and a keynote speaker and all of these other things. So I was the face of big brand system. It's just at a certain point, it made more sense. More people knew my name than people who knew big brand system. 
for whatever reason. So maybe you, you maybe you can tell me how that happened. I don't know. Somehow the personal brand ended up eclipsing the business brand in my case. Well, because you're such a powerful force, Pamela. Obviously, that's what took over. <laughs> that's what okay. I'm getting from our conversation. Okay, so far. maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I want to well, let's explore that a little bit more. So you you made this transition, you realized that the personal brand was superseding and overshadowing the business brand. When you made this transition, were you able to do so seamlessly or were there a lot of obstacles that you had to overcome that allowed you to stay on the right trajectory for yourself and for the overall health of your brand? I mean, on the one hand, I want to say, oh my gosh, there were nothing but obstacles. <laughs> but on the other hand, there were a lot of tech obstacles. And it was a lot of like going back to my website and just fixing things, redirecting them, stripping the word big brand system out and, you know, things like that. A lot of like redoing graphics that had the logo watermark on it and everything. And I think if you search hard enough, you can probably still find that logo in places on the site. But it was a lot of like techie admin kind of work. So that was a huge pain, you know, and then there was all the re the like the URL redirect. So I wouldn't lose my SEO and Google rankings and all of that. So there was that. But then on the other hand, like every time I told a colleague or a customer that I was rebranding under Pamela Wilson, they were like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was almost like, well, they took you long enough, you know? So I was also amazed that I was able to get my name. I think I paid $300 to get my name, the, the domain name PamelaWilson.com. I approached the person who owned the domain name and I didn't act super interested. I was like, well, if you're selling it, I mean, I might, you know, I could buy it. <laughs> and I got a great deal on it. So I, you know, it was a combination. And, but at this point, I'm so glad I did it because it's easier to explain what I do under that personal brand. It's more, and this is what I think is one of the beautiful things about a personal brand is that they can sort of grow with you in your own interests, right? Where a business brand, oftentimes, if you do create that aspirational brand that says exactly what you do, if exactly what you do changes down the line, you have to rebrand, right? Where if you have a personal brand, you kind of have that flexibility, like, oh, Pamela Wilson is doing this now, and now Pamela Wilson is doing that, right? And you can make those changes and, and not have to do a major rebrand. I don't even know if I answered your question, Jason, but that's my answer. Well, it sounds like you did encounter some obstacles, but at the same time, you also encountered some conversations with clients who had got to know you as the face of the brand. It just made complete sense to make that transition. Something that, something yeah. that I've experienced in transitioning and, and making those pivots in business in the past is it makes it a lot easier and this could be something that maybe you can interject some thoughts on this on when it does come time to sell, if you're looking to do so down the road, if you build your brand through more of a personal brand or with more emphasis on personal brand, it's a lot less social media to worry about. And I had discovered in running some running brands in the past where I had my personal accounts and then I had my business accounts. And then I would be trying to 
go back and forth between one or the other. And then I'd share something on the business account and then reshare it through my personal or vice versa. And at the end of the day, I just looked at it and said, why don't I just condense this all down to just one and yeah. simplify the process and have everybody meet me there. So every account that I have now is under Jason Sircone. Mm-hmm. That said, yes, it's a little simpler when I want to share information. I don't have to go to multiple networks to do so, but when I go to sell, if that ever does become my true aspiration, is it going to be difficult because all these accounts are in my name? Right. It, it might be. It might be. But I agree when it comes to social media, I think there is an expectation that on social media, you're going to be talking to a person. Even these social media accounts, like I'm sure you've seen the TSA account. It's the TSA. It's a massive entity that we all know as an entity that has a lot of people underneath it. But there is a single specific voice running that social media account. I don't know if you've seen it. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. So there is a feeling on social media that you are going to have contact with another human being, right? And so having it under your own name makes a lot of sense. It's very direct. It's like, you know, the, the person putting out this content is the person whose name is on this account, right? And to some degree, I would think in the future, if it does come time to sell, maybe there's a way that, okay, this new company now has control. They can start building the social media presence as they see fit because they now own the brand. They can take it in the direction they want. Definitely. Yeah. So we know one of the best ways to gain trust in our brands and and to really put those asses in the seats, as we've said a couple times, is to establish authority with our knowledge and expertise. And that really can make us shine in our space. And to think of the examples that we used before, the Gary V's and the Tony Robbins and the Grant Cardones and Sarah Blakely's of the world all did this masterfully. Do you think this practice speaks more to personal branding or more to business branding? I think it speaks to both. And I realize that probably sounds like a cop out, but what you're really talking about is content marketing and content marketing can be done by a personal brand or a business brand. It works for both. And content marketing for anyone who has not heard this yet is basically useful, helpful, engaging or entertaining information that you share with an audience with the ultimate goal of building connection, building trust, and creating authority around a specific topic. I mean, I've written two books about content marketing, so this is something I'm super passionate about. I had been in the marketing world for decades before I found content marketing, before I realized what it was and saw what it could be, and just realized that it's it's a much more humane way to reach people because you're showing up and being helpful from the very beginning. So I don't, I feel like that's kind of brand agnostic. I think either people or entities can use that. I do some consulting work and my consulting clients use content marketing marketing for their larger businesses very successfully And people find them online because of their helpful content. So I think it can be used for both. Is that your experience as well? 
100%. I feel that the shift towards content marketing in today's world is it's something that every brand has to be cognizant of in some way, shape or form. And there's a number of ways that you can build content and position it for your ideal audience. Me, I chose podcasting, but there are others that put heavy emphasis on blogging or on video or on strong social media campaigns. There is no right or wrong approach to this. I feel that you have to do what works best for your brand. And I've said this multiple times that if you're a solopreneur and you're trying to be everywhere and you're trying to build the best podcast in the world, right alongside the best YouTube channel in the world, right alongside the greatest Instagram account, you're going to burn out so fast because you don't have that kind of bandwidth. So you really have to find what you're excited about and the content you create, you have to be excited to create it. For me with podcasting, when I know I get to sit down and have a fantastic conversation like I'm having with you today, Pamela, that lights me up. That gets me excited. So I know podcasting is where I'm supposed to be, but there are others in the world that may feel putting video content that speaks directly to the audience that they've built is the way for them to go. One way, shape, or form, if you can make content marketing a core part of your brand building initiatives, you're going to go far. You're going to experience a lot of success. And that can work to answer the question from a personal branding side, from a business branding side, or from both. Absolutely. And the other piece of that, I think, that I don't hear as many people talk about you know, that message of not spreading yourself too thin and trying to be in all places is super smart. And it's it's smart because it conserves your, your energy as a content creator. But uh, the other side of that is that when you are really dominant on one platform, people know where to find you. Mm-hmm. It's like people say, oh, Jason, he's the guy that has that amazing podcast. They don't say he's the guy with the amazing Twitter account and the amazing podcast. And he also does blog posts and he also does. So I think when you dominate one platform, you become really an expert at that platform. You can devote all your energy to being the best you can be on that platform. And people know where to find you. You are dominant in one space and it just makes it easier for your audience. It's reverse engineering what we've been taught about social media and about content and about internet presence as a whole, because I know there are still gurus, quote unquote, that are telling people you need to be everywhere. You need to have presence on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, have a podcast, have a blog, have a website, have this, have that. And at the end of the day, like I said, if you're working with a team, you can make that happen. But if you're on your own as a solopreneur, it's very hard to spread your attention to that capacity and expect anything good to happen. But and, it's, and that's it. You, I mean, you might be able to do it. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to do it very well. Right. <laughs> you no, might be right. able to show up in those places, but you're not going to be someone that people want to follow because your content just, it can't be super high quality when it's spread that thin. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, I have a team, so I am able to do some content repurposing but my content is created in a way that I'll use it on one platform and it can be repurposed for other. We have a whole process for doing it, you know, uh, but I was not able to do that in the early days when I didn't have help. 
Yeah, it's incredibly difficult. And with the internet acting as it does, people are going to find their network of choice. So if everybody is everywhere, and that was always the belief or always what we were taught was everybody's on these networks. So you have to be everywhere to meet them. You start reverse engineering the thought process and saying, well, if everybody's everywhere, they're going to find me where I'm most prevalent and then start putting all of your attention into dominating that core area people are going to find you. And like you said, Pamela, it, it makes it much easier to be as to, to, to quote DP Knuton, who was on a past episode with me. It's better to be the scalpel than to be the Swiss army knife because you have Absolutely. one specific purpose and yeah. everybody knows exactly what you're for. Mm-hmm. It makes it much easier to proceed and it'll save you a lot of bandwidth and your energy and creative juices geared towards what makes you happy to create content. Is just going to make for better content. Everybody yeah. wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've shared a lot of practical wisdom on business branding, on personal branding. So how about positioning our brands to attract ideal customers? What are some strategies that we can implement to stay laser focused on this initiative? Obviously, you've first need to know who the ideal customer is. And my definition has always been It is someone with a challenge that you know how to solve. They need to be aware of that challenge because there are people who have a problem, but they don't realize they have the problem. So they have that awareness has to be there and they need to be searching for a solution. And then finally, they need to be able to pay for your solution. So they need to be able to afford to solve the problem. And that makes an ideal customer. And if any of those things are missing, then it's not an ideal customer. If they don't have a problem, they're not your ideal customer. If they're not aware of the problem, they are not your ideal customer. And if they don't have money to pay for the solution, they are not your ideal customer if you're running a business. If you're running a charity, that's a different story. But if it's a business venture, then they need to be able to afford the solution. So once you have that customer identified and you know exactly who you're trying to reach, then it's a matter of having conversations so you can really get to know them and not assuming that you know how they define that challenge for themselves, but rather talking to them, trying to get their own language for describing their challenges. I take my clients through an exercise of, I mean, it seems kind of silly, but it's very eye-opening where I send them to Amazon to look at book reviews. And I say, look at Amazon books that your customer might be buying to try to figure out the solution to this problem they're having. They have this problem. What books are they buying? What are, how are they trying to solve it? And then go into the reviews and look at the five-star reviews and the one-star reviews. And you want to know what people liked about the content of the book, how it helped them what challenges specifically it helped them to solve and what words they use to describe those challenges. And then on the other side of it, you wanna look at what people did not like about the book, what they didn't get from it that they were hoping to get, the problems that they still have and how they describe those problems. And just picking up that language, I have my clients actually create a spreadsheet where they're like copy pasting from Amazon reviews And they're not going to use it anywhere. It's just so that they have that language sitting in front of them. 
because you and I know there's that whole curse of knowledge problem, right? When you get really good at your topic, you can't remember what it was like to be a beginner. You can't remember to, what it was like to be that person who had that challenge. So having that language in front of you can help you to position your business as the solution using the words that your ideal customer is using to describe the challenge. Does that make sense? That is genius because I always advise anyone I'm talking to, if they get bad reviews in whether it's through social media, whether it's on their podcast, I always say great because this person is actually, first of all, taking the time to show you how you can improve and, and show right. you how you can do things better, but also proving that they are invested in what you're doing because they took that time. Mm -hmm. So never look at the negative comments as a bad thing. Look at it as a way to start a conversation and to make necessary improvements, but to then take it a step further and go look at what other people are saying about potential competition or other people in your space, that can open up so many new opportunities and just a, a, a world of new perspectives. It's so much fun, I have to say. And even just doing that thinking about, you know, look, there may not be a specific book. There are books on almost every topic. Okay, let's agree on that fact. But there may not be a specific book written about the topic that you help people with, right? But then you you do that leap of thinking where you say, okay, they have this challenge. What kinds of books are they trying to use to solve this problem? And that kind of creative thinking and just hunting around to see what books you can find there is so much gold in Amazon reviews. It's unbelievable. I mean, if you just go in and mine those gold nuggets, you can get so much information from doing that. And it's actually fun. I mean, the clients that I take through this exercise, they're always like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to find anything. And then we start looking and they're like, oh, look at this. <laughs> I just can't believe it. So it's, it's a blast. I highly recommend that if people are listening and they want to try something, fun and creative that will give you some amazing intel on how your prospective customers are thinking. That's a great exercise. Well, Pamela, as you pick up the microphone that you just dropped, I want to thank you for bringing so much powerful and actionable information with you to Evolution of Brand today. How can our listeners keep this positive momentum going by connecting with you for even more value and to get access to your revenue revolution? Thank you so much for setting that up. Yes, they can find, I have a, a toolkit for entrepreneurs called Revenue Revolution, and they can find it at my website, which is now PamelaWilson.com. And they go to forward slash revenue, and they'll be able to find that toolkit. It's, it's pretty cool. It is a guide for leaders that talks people through how to create a higher value online offer that generates more revenue than some of these low value offers that people might be trying to convince you to create. It also has a margins maximizer, which is a tool that helps you plug in. What are your expenses right now? What's your revenue? And you can kind of see what your earnings are and what they could be if you had a higher value offer that's kind of meant to motivate you. And then there's an expert statement creator that people seem to love that helps to walk you through how to create a statement about what you do in the world, what your expertise is. 
it's a little beyond like the typical elevator speech. It's um, it's a way that you can talk about what you do in your bio on a podcast like this. Anytime you're talking about what your expertise is, that's the expert statement creator. And those are all a part of Revenue Revolution and it's completely free. So PamelaWilson.com forward slash revenue is where they can find that. Well, as always, EOB Society, life is easy. I will put that link in the show notes so you can connect with Pamela's Revenue Revolution today. Pamela, as we close down shop for today, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game for you today, what would it be? I would say be brave and do not be afraid to be brave. I've been pretty brave in my life, but I think that Oftentimes I hesitated more than I needed to and taking courageous actions has always led to good things. And the more I did it, the more I did it. So I think being brave from an early age is the best thing that you can do because it puts you in a situation where you can make the most of your, your life. So be brave. Pamela, once again, thank you so much for joining me here on Evolution of Brand today. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been really great to talk about these topics and I appreciate everyone who's listened all the way to the end. Thank you. Today's conversation with Pamela provided some powerful insights about when it makes sense to emphasize personal branding and when it makes sense to emphasize business branding. To put a bow on everything we've learned today, it's safe to say that both approaches will serve you as your brand develops. And it's important to think about the big picture so you know the effort you're putting forth will allow you to do exactly what you want to do with your brand as time moves forward. I'd like to once again thank Pamela Wilson for providing so much valuable knowledge and wisdom today. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on that archives link, then make your way to episode 131. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash Pamela Wilson for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. And I'm talking primo notes. I got an A. Want to support Evolution of Brand? Be sure you're following and you're subscribed so you're the very first person to know when new content goes live. Leave a rating and written review on Apple Podcasts, as well as a five-star rating on Spotify. And as always, recommend this episode of Evolution of Brand to one person in your circle who you know will be impacted by what they hear. And with that, episode 131 of Evolution of Brand has officially come to a close. Our time together today is over, but fear not, EOB Mafia, because it won't be long until we're gathered around the speakers once again when episode 132 makes its triumphant debut. Until then, jump back in the archives and check out some of the great conversations that you may have missed right here on Evolution of Brand. Until our paths cross again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving.